Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Wesson Walker on a football Friday, a no rules Friday, a no spectrum ESPN Friday. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you listening to the good old-fashioned radio. If you're trying to watch ESPN and you have spectrum, well, we're trying to do the same thing with you in two of the three TVs that we have in the studio. We got the message. The Walt Disney Company, the owner of this channel, is trying very fairly. And we're try- we offered Disney a fair deal, yet they are demanding an excessive and bold increase. They also want to limit our ability to provide greater customer choice and programming, yada, yada, all that to say. If you got Spectrum and you want to watch football You're this about weekend. You're to be heated. Sorry. Don't break your TVs. I love how it happened on the day. That people were wanting to watch college football after a long, long wait. Yeah. So now people are scrambling, just like our producer, Josh Fiddy Marlowe, to find a different avenue to watch college football. But I think I got him going to YouTube TV like we have been clamoring for him to do. Yeah, I think the streaming platforms will definitely benefit from this this weekend because desperate people do desperate things. And if you're sitting on your couch and you can't watch your favorite Mm -hmm. team's game after waiting for so long... You are going to hit that internet quickly, look up Sling, YouTube TV, whatever you can get to get this thing done. And I know Fiddy sometimes objects to the names that I say and the description, but I would say that that is a desperate man to watch some college football. And I say that because I would identify with you. I would be desperate to watch some college football. We got that last night. We're going to have an incredible slate this weekend. But Wes, I don't think we can get off the bus talking about a preview of what is to come. We have to talk about instead what happened in the ACC this morning and even last night when North Carolina sent out the email saying, we don't want to expand. Everybody had their eyebrow raised. Wait a minute. One, it was hilarious to try to figure out if that email was real. If it was actually sent from people in charge at UNC or whether it was just some fake. So while we did that for about an hour, we confirmed, no, this was real. North Carolina is trying to tell you they do not want to expand. And that led everybody to believe, wait, is somebody flipping? And sure enough, NC State did. NC State. How about President Woodson deciding we're going to flip and we're going to expand with Stanford, Cal, and SMU. Let's get off the bus talking about ACC expansion. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! It's official, folks. The ACC presidents and chancellors met Friday morning, and they voted to add three schools, the schools we've been talking about for quite a while now, Stanford, Cal, and SMU. The conference announced it officially this morning. It will bring the league to 
18 members. 17 will play football full-time in the league. And the additions are in all sports. And they'll begin in the 2024-2025 school year. That is according to a write-up on ESPN.com. You can find plenty more information as well while we pick and choose some of the stuff that is the most important. So, Wes, in a straw poll more than three weeks ago, four ACC schools dissented. They did not want to add more schools. Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, and NC State. One of them needed to flip for the vote to pass. NC State Chancellor Randy Woodson, he is the one that flipped. So then you had a 12-3 vote. They needed the 12 votes to expand. They got it. He's the one that flips. That's according to Andrea Adelson, who joined us earlier this week when we were trying to figure out when they were going to have this meeting to officially decide whether they were going to expand or not. I give the floor to you, Wes, to share some of your initial thoughts on Cal, Stanford, and SMU being a part of the ACC. Yeah, it's a bit lackluster. I feel like if they were going to add some teams, they should have maybe thought about it before now, went after some more teams before now, so they would pack a little bit more of a punch. And I know in different sports that we'll get a little bit of punch from uh, each one of them. But Cal, like they said, athletics in a disarray. You get Stanford coming in there. And the SMU, I've said I've liked because of the Texas aspects. And teams will be able to have that uh, pipeline to Texas opened up just a little bit to be able to go in there and recruit as they get on the screens of the teenagers in Texas. Uh, So overall, like I said, a a bit underwhelming as far as the teams they added. But they serve a purpose. And uh, we'll see, man. Stanford's been down a while. And they're a respectable program. So hopefully they can get back on track. Kyle, I'm not expecting a ton from in the interim. And then, um, you know, I think SMU is going to come in and be a nice addition from a football standpoint. The the problem is they just don't carry enough weight, in my opinion, to uplift the ACC into premier football stature. If the idea is to make the ACC valuable and also to bring in as much revenue as possible so you can feed the hungry mouths of the Florida States, of the Clemsons, of the North Carolinas, I don't know. In fact, I have a pretty good idea and do feel like this is not going to do just that because that should be the objective. Florida State went agent of chaos. They decided that they were going to be very public. They were going to be mad online, mad in your face, mad at the podium saying we want more money. We want a different share of the revenue because everybody is watching us despite them not being good for a while now. Florida State, we expected them to be a monster within the ACC, and that hasn't come to fruition at all. But yes, they still have a lot more eyeballs than a lot of other schools out there in college football, and so because of that, they felt they could ask for more money and a higher share of the revenue distribution. Clemson, being quiet, they weren't acting chaotically, but the fact that they weren't saying anything, that kind of spoke to them wanting more money in North Carolina. They finally were vocal last night and sending that email. I got it last night. I was like, wait, what's going on here? Then I see people go to Twitter. They sent it to everybody. I got it. I imagine you got it on your Radio 1 email. Everybody got it. Yeah. So North Carolina was saying, hey, NC State, don't flip. You know that we matter to you a lot economically. And sure enough, NC State decides to flip anyway. Let's get into some of the finances, shall we? If you look at ESPN, you will see that all three of these schools joining the ACC come at a significant discount. That will help create a revenue pool to be shared among ACC members, but SMU wanted in so badly. They wanted in so badly to be welcomed to one of these premier conferences. 
that they're going to come in for nine years with no broadcast media revenue. Not one. Not any Not any penny. Not anything like that. No broadcast revenue. Cal and Stanford will each start out receiving just a 30% share of ACC payouts. That money being withheld is expected to create an annual pot of revenue between 50 and $60 million. Some of the revenue will be divided proportionally among the 14 full-time members and Notre Dame, and another portion will be put in a pool designated for success initiatives that rewards programs that win, trying to appease as much as you can Florida State, Clemson, anybody that goes on a tear within conference play. My question is, this does not seem to make the conference more valuable, and this does feel like academic-minded people, which is fine. That is not an insult. It is just different from what is supposed to be at the forefront of what this financial decision is and trying to take care of the football landscape. Academic-minded people are helping two incredible academic institutions, and then also with SMU just saying, we'll not take any of your broadcast revenue, and you can be in the Dallas market. Okay, we'll just take you on. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, it's it's wild, man. That's just the landscape that we are in in college football. We talked about earlier, too, how this helps them because if the conference drops below a certain number that uh, ESPN can come back to the table and renegotiate that deal and maybe take some of the money out of the pot, man. So it's just all about money, all about what they can do to try to stay afloat. So we'll see how this move turns out in the long term uh, because you also hear uh, people talking about the aspect of the students as well, the travel and different things of that nature, man. But this is just where we are in college sports. A lot of stuff does not make a ton of sense. So rather be golfing. Text us how you feel. It's weird. It's so weird. Stanford, Cal. I mean, there are only a few schools that you could go further geographically than what Cal and Stanford bring to you in the ACC. Rather be golfing, texting in at 704-570-9610. Good to see that the new teams added to the ACC are close in proximity to the rest (laughs) currently in the conference. And then he says, this is stupid. A lot of people feel like that. What are the chances UNC, FSU, and Clemson use this as a legal way to prove others broke the grant of rights and then defect to the Big Ten or the SEC? This coming in from an 704 number. So a lot of people feel like this might be the end of the ACC. Despite this being a move where you're adding teams, a lot of people feel like this might be the end because now the big-time revenue holders... They are the ones that feel like they're not going to get as much as Stanford and Cal in about year 10. So Stanford and Cal will be 30% of whole ACC share for the next seven years. That number will jump to 70 in year eight, 75 in year nine, and then full financial shares in the 10th year per sources. This is all coming from ESPN. So in 10 years, then they're going to have to share this money with schools that aren't really good at football right now and don't have a lot of draw. And so at that point, you're going to be about three years away from the grant of rights coming to an end. And you can say good riddance to Florida State all you want to. The problem is it was never intended for North Carolina to say good riddance. And after that email last night, feels like North Carolina in the next decade, they could be trying to break away from the ACC. Yeah, they could be. And so this is the deal that I think every year, every offseason, this is going to be a dominant topic. Now, I think as far as the SEC and the Big Ten right now feel like they're pretty settled, but people have even been talking about with those conferences if they could tell some of the lesser teams to to kick rocks, so to speak. So with the ACC, it's going to be every year speculating on which teams could leave, would leave, should leave, all of that stuff. It's just wild. 
And uh, for now, we just have to deal with what we have to deal with, and that's next season, these teams coming into the fray. So in that email North Carolina sent out, they were discussing that, one, it doesn't make sense financially. We've been going over that quite a bit. But also they discussed how it doesn't make a whole lot of sense travel-wise for student-athletes, as they want to call them still, student-athletes to travel that far, especially when you are trying to still hold on to the title that is so obsolete in student-athlete, while really it's just, okay, well, we need more money. We wanted to welcome Cal and Stanford in because we also wanted to throw them a bone because of the academic institutions that they are. It's a very relationship-based business between presidents and chancellors. And so because of that, now these road games might have to be played in California despite us being over here in Chapel Hill, wherever on the East Coast. Pete Thamel had this tweet, Wes. Cal Chancellor Carol Christ on non-revenue travel for sports like baseball, softball, volleyball, and soccer said, quote, the ACC is really interested in using Dallas as a place where teams may come together to minimize the travel. And so I saw Joe Ovius put out a funny tweet, Jerry Jones, looking at it with an eyebrow raised. Huh? You think you can give me some money to play in Jerry's world if we want to use Dallas as a meeting point? So... It's just all kind of nuts, though, man. Even Dallas as a meeting point is going to be further west than any other ACC school that you have by a significant margin. Yeah, that's an interesting thing to come together and play at a neutral site like that during the season. That's not some type of uh, branded event. But I think that they're trying to find ways to mitigate things, and they're going to have to use multiple facilities for multiple sports. But uh, I think from the students' perspective, you'll probably find a mixed bag. It's like uh, I think a lot of them will be hip to it until they really get into the thick of things. But I think hopefully, you know, if these schools have understanding staff and uh, things of that nature, then I think it won't be too hard on the students. But, yeah, that that is a, a heck of a thing. And I think the thing that's going to be – Uh, something to watch for too is when they decide to schedule these games like if you're going to have to play a Stanford are they going to make sure they always put that on a weekend and not when you have to uh, travel during the week. So 704 also asked any idea of what the AAC will do in losing SMU. That's a great question. And I got a pretty decent guy to help us answer it in Mike Hill on the show a little bit later on. Charlotte 49er athletic director. He's going to be joining us at 2 o'clock to get you ready for the kickoff to the Charlotte 49er football season. And this is a great topic to ask him as well. Biddy, what are some of your thoughts? Uh, the, the conference put out a statement about an hour ago go they will not look to expand west so the two remaining pac-12 schools they're going to end up in the mountain west the the schools that they will look to add will be i guess on the east coast so they're they're going to try to find a corresponding move but they're not going to go get two of the uh, the remaining pac-12 schools to do so all right so there is some information some key valuable information from fitty on the aac again we'll also talk about that a little bit more with mike hill we have a pack show We got some college football to get to, of course. We have the one and only Anthony Flounder Pagnata going to be talking about Carolina in a moment at 1 o'clock. We also have Mike Hill, as I mentioned. We have Jeff Taylor joining us to talk about some high school sports. Gene Sapikoff talking South Carolina. I think I'm done. I think that's it. We have four guests joining us on a football Friday. Let's get to it. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. 
the McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Excited for football season on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I remember us talking about college game day, coming to town, wherever it was going to be, trying to figure out if conference realignment was going to affect the college football season as soon as it kicked off. Well, the answer to that is yes. Here we are having college game day kick off here in the city of Charlotte for North Carolina and South Carolina facing against one another in Bank of America Stadium. And they're going to be talking about ACC expansion and conference realignment having such an effect on what we've seen happen this offseason. Is it a bummer for U.S. for it to be taking away from some of the games? Or do you think we'll move past this once we get some real football? Yeah, I think we'll start to move past it once we get football, man. Everybody's been waiting on it. Football just makes you happy, man. I mean, during the fall, no matter what's going (laughs) on, no matter what's happening in your life, you just – fall back on that thought that, man, at least it's football season. So I say all that to say that uh, it's definitely going to be prominently featured, but you you know, you know, can't see it right now because it's not happening. Next year, once it really kicks in and North Carolina starting the season with Stanford uh, out there in Palo Alto, then I think it'll be a little bit more uh, of a thing. But I think this season everybody's just going to focus on Uh, what's at hand and that's football season starting and we can watch actual games. Yeah, it'll remind us of that interconference bowl game that Carolina played against Stanford when Solomon Thomas was getting in the backfield, wrecking Mitch Trubisky, the good old ACC days from five years ago, (laughs) something like that. Watching those two rivals now go at it. What do you remember from that I was just going to add, you know, there was a Rose Bowl back in 1936 between Stanford and SMU. A ACC vehicle in prime college sports. The biggest of ACC vehicles, no doubt about that. Word. I'm just going to embrace it now. You he, should. He, I'm I mean, embrace Shroppy's it. embracing it. I, know, I don't. I know. I am. I just. I'm just acquiescing. I'm just giving in. I'm throwing in the white flag and saying, "Look, I'm done." That's just how it is. So, all right, let's go to the game day dubs. We know that the letter W has infiltrated the show, the station, Wes and Walker, WFNZ. We decided to ask the who, what, where, when, why for Carolina Panthers game. Except we don't have one this weekend. So let's go college football edition. Game day edition. I like the way you think, sir. Of the dubs. Let's start with the who, as always here, Wes. Who is the player you're most interested to watch this weekend? It can be really anywhere in the ACC. Woo! Man, that's a good one. So many games to choose from. But you already know what it is, man, because I'm going to be in the building. I've already seen my man Mitch Griffiths and what he can do. It's Monday night. My man Riley Leonard, what is he going to do in this big-time spot? Wallace Wade Stadium against the Clemson Tigers. I'm going to go with the quarterback he's facing. Kate Klubnick is my guy over everybody because I think Cade Klubnick, there's still enough questions there for you to not to be totally sure Clemson is going to be this dominant force in the ACC. 
you start against a really formidable opponent that everyone is hyping up a good bit. I know nationally Duke's been ranked low, but people in the Carolinas know what it is with Duke. Mike Elko coming in, winning immediately. Riley Leonard and Mike Elko himself again, really impressing at the ACC kickoff event. So Duke's going to be a formidable opponent. They've got a lot of starters. Offense and defense both expect to be good, but they're also not powerhouses, right? If Cade Klubnick actually struggled against an LSU like Florida State is playing, or maybe even a Florida State, there could be some excuse. There could be some reason as to why it's not clicking in week one. I don't think Duke is that good to the point where you use it as an excuse that Cade Klubnick is underperforming, isn't going for 300 passing yards or even 250, which DJU failed to do so so many times last year. There is the new offensive coordinator. How different is this offense going to look? Are they going to throw the football a lot to Will Shipley? How are these weapons going to look alongside one Cade Klubnick? Cade Klubnick has a lot of talent. I I think you're right in that sweet spot of him having a lot of expectations, having a lot of pressure, the team having a lot of pressure, and facing a good, solid opponent in week one, even on the road, which, no, Wallace Wade is not Death Valley, but it's not – at home. So uh, enough questions there. What are you thinking, Fitty? I'm going to go with the quarterback in the ACC that plays on Sunday night. And I'll go with Jordan Travis because he's in the biggest game of the opening weekend. He's a dark horse candidate to win the Heisman Trophy. And, you know, Wes, I I don't know for you, like if, if Florida State comes out and he plays well and they win, I think it's going to be a lot easier to buy into the hype around the Knowles in 2023 but brian kelly's second year at lsu that man went to the transfer portal and he got him some dudes to revamp one of the worst defenses in lsu's history after a year ago i think it's been interesting to see does he put a performance last year that allowed them to upset lsu to kick off the year and, and if so what that means for them moving forward yeah no doubt that game last year especially uh special teams were paramount as they blocked two kicks florida state did of lsu and so i'm sure they're going to be thinking about that. But, yeah, Fiddy, you're right. If Florida State is able to come out, this is year two under Brian Kelly. This is year two with Jaden Daniels under center. Uh, and this is year two of LSU with Brian Kelly, which uh, I think that they're going to be a really good football team this year. I think they win the SEC. And so I think that well, as far as the SEC West is concerned. And so I think that if Florida State is able to beat them, that will be something that will allow you to buy a little bit more stock in the nose this year. All right, feel free to answer the dubs along with us on the text line, 704-570-9610. We'll answer your questions uh, and your uh, bring your answers to the airwaves as we go along. Heart stopper Harley said Drake may, no doubt. Yeah, Drake may. Certainly going to have a lot of eyeballs on him. I'll go with that game for the next question that we have here, Wes. What will be the biggest surprise this weekend? Out of all the games in the ACC, this one was tough for me. It's always going to be tough when you're going into a new season. I've got UNC's defense being the biggest surprise. UNC's defense will hold Spencer Rattler. That is a big surprise. To less passing yards than Tennessee and Clemson. Not the craziest statement considering he threw for 360 against Clemson. But also Notre Dame. Yes, Walker. In the bowl game. (laughs) (laughs) That was sexual. In the bowl game. Well, I mean, if if they play that well, I'm going to be sexual. I know you are. I know you are. I'm glad that we have Monday off for you to just cool down a little bit, and then you can come in on Tuesday. But less passing yards than he had against Notre Dame. He had 246. Not a lot. I don't believe a ton in this interior offensive line for South Carolina. I think the tackles be okay. 
but the offensive line interior wise, that's the one I'm, that's where I'm going to be looking. I think they're going to rely a decent amount on the tight end with attention from North Carolina's defense so much towards juice. And they lost a few of their other top targets last season. Now, you had a lot of different receivers. Well, juice came on so strong, but it took a while for him to even put up monster numbers, even though guy, the guy is a real deal. So it might take some, uh, some times to gel with the other weapons outside of juice. So look, it's a surprise for a reason, right? Some of this is me not believing 100% in Spencer Rattler. I need more consistency before I totally buy in. Mm Mm-hmm. There's some weaknesses there that I think North Carolina can be okay. I love that linebacker duo. And if and if they can help in coverage and if if there's something of a weakness or an advantage that they can exploit, then I believe those two can do it in different facets of the game. That's my surprise. UNC's defense, they hold Spencer Rattler to less than 250 passing yards. Well, I mean, is it a surprise at this point? Because I've been saying it the whole offseason. I mean, is it really a surprise if I say I think Duke beating Clemson this weekend? It's a cop-out, but it's a surprise towards everybody I mean, I can go a different direction since everybody else kind of knows that listens to this show. I mean, I know we have the uninitiated that listen each day as well. But Go go with what your heart is telling you, Wes. It's Football Friday. I'm not going to stop you from telling us what your uh, heart is feeling. I feel like the spread uh, has gone up a half a point on that Clemson-Duke game as well. Clemson's now a 13-point favorite. I know it was 12-and-a-half. Uh, when they opened up. But, yeah, I got Duke, man. Like I said, I just think that they've been sitting around and getting slept on and thinking about that all off offseason. Uh, they have so many guys back from a team, 18 starters back uh, on a 9-4 and four football team. I just don't understand why nobody buys in, and I think they're looking at this as an opportunity to show people uh, that last year was no fluke, and they have one of the best quarterbacks in the country that people are also sleeping on. So, Uh, I just think with the environment, the fact that it's at Duke, the fact that it's the first game of the season, the fact that hope floats, they're going to be very excited about what this team can do. I think that crowd is going to be into it. I think the players are going to feed off of that, and I think they ride that home momentum to a, a, a win. I'm sorry to Gamecock Kevin, who said, ah, BS, except he spelled it out because he's mad at my Spencer Rattler prediction. I'm pulling for South Carolina. I'm pulling for him. I like Shane Beamer a lot. I just, I need to see some consistency from Spencer Rattler. Yes, the defense for North Carolina need to see that as well, but that's why they call it a surprise. Did you have a quick surprise, Fiddy, or did you want to move on and continue answering some dubs? My answer should probably be that I think Florida State beats LSU, but I'm going to keep it local. I think the biggest surprise is that the Tar Heels rise to the occasion. Big game, Saturday night, primetime, game day. Uh, site for week one of the college football season. I picked Carolina to win the game. This is where historically they fall short under Mac Brown. I think that narrative changes tomorrow night. All right, and I can't get away from Bank of America Stadium for the where question. Location with the most meaningful game. That's the where. Really? Well, well look, I can't go away from Bank. Meaningful? I think so. Well, I mean, the most meaningful has got to be LSU-Florida State because it's a top 10 matchup. Here's why I still go Bank of America Stadium. Because LSU and Florida State... If they lose, time and time again, we've seen that losing early to an amazing opponent is okay as long as you take care of business the rest of the way. Florida State can do that in the ACC. If LSU is one of these favorites by a lot of people putting money down on who could win the championship, and if you believe Brian Kelly is a good enough coach, you can afford a slip-up at the beginning of the season where week one is always weird. It's always weird every year of college football. You can survive that. So, If LSU or Florida State loses, it does not completely kick them out of the college football playoff race. Do do, do we believe that, though? Yes, I do. I mean, that's that's my point. Let's go with why you think is that, and then we'll go. 
Right. Well, yeah, Sorry. you're good. Well, with North Carolina and South Carolina, nobody thinks they're going to get to the college football playoff. Hell, you got them one loss away from not making a bowl game, Wes. <laughs> and if they lose the game that you had them winning, then they aren't. And so how bad would that be if you have the best QB in North Carolina history not reach a bowl game despite an offensive coordinator change, a guy in Mac Brown who promised you all this good stuff after having a pretty impressive first year, you lose to a border a border war thing. It's a rival with these two. You have two quarterbacks going at it. It's on a neutral site. It's an SEC-ACC matchup to where North Carolina kind of representing the ACC right here. And if they lose to South Carolina, then everybody's going to say, oh, SEC, it just means more. I think Bank of America, even with that Florida State and LSU matchup. Well, the reason why I would go Florida State LSU as well is for one uh, perception of the conference. Uh, I think that this is a, a huge matchup. And I think Carolina beating South Carolina, it moves the needle a little bit, but not like Florida State taking out uh, an LSU and that squad, but also for Florida State, it could be very detrimental if they do lose this game because three games later, you got the Clemson Tigers on September 23rd. So uh, that's going to be huge for them because if you lose the LSU and then you have to go to Death Valley to take on Clemson and you lose that game, there's no college football playoff in the cards for you if you're the Florida State Seminoles. So that's why I think that game is very meaningful to that squad as well. If you get that win and then you lose to Clemson and then let's say you run the table outside of that and then you get Clemson again in the ACC championship, you could perhaps play your way into the uh, college football playoff if Clemson has a really good season as well. But if you lose that LSU game and then uh, September 23rd go down to Clemson and lose that one, no college football playoffs for the nose. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that that's why I have that game as the the most meaningful because I don't know if Florida State can lose that game and make the college football playoff. Maybe they can because of their brand, their reputation. Maybe the ACC has a type of bounce back season. It feels like they've got to get that one in the bag because then they could afford a loss to Clemson on the road and beat Clemson back in Charlotte to get themselves in the, in, into the playoff conversation. So 100%, I, I think with, with Florida State, they have a game to neutralize that loss. If they beat Clemson, then that's going to neutralize the LSU loss a little more so. And there's a real shot Florida State beats Clemson with North Carolina. I, I can't say there's a real shot right now. Like, yes, it's possible. Okay, it, like it, everything is possible, right? We can do Kevin Garnett on this all day long. But if we're going to give a realistic shot, Florida State, lots of talent. QB that is going to be in the Heisman race, possibly. They've got a Jared Verse that's going to the NFL. Trey Benson is amazing. We know the talent they have. I, I hear you, though. It's, it's going to be monstrous. Let's move on to the win. When did you realize NC State was in trouble last night? Because both you and I, we thought, all right, 14-point spread. It's worth paying attention to, but they should be okay. They got to halftime. <laughs> thing was close. And then they score a 70-yard touchdown. That's what I'll roll with. The Rosa TD, that was a real worry moment for me. State answered that pretty quickly, though. I thought the turnover on downs was big. especially Penalties after, helped them as well. Yeah, for sure. And so after that turnover on downs, it, even after that, UConn picked up a first down. I was like, okay, we might have something cooking here. But then Fanano got sacked immediately. State would take care of the rest. Uh, that's, that was it. But, man, once they scored that 70-yarder, it was like, all right, are we about to have an NC State ECU moment from a year ago? Well, the thing is, you know, I felt like when I looked at the score and saw that they only had 10 points at halftime, this was a team last season that averaged 24.3 points per game, put them in the bottom tiers of the conference. 
How many points did you score last night? 24 points. What did we hear about all offseason? Robert and I, Brennan Armstrong, what he did at Virginia under Robert and I, the gaudy numbers he put up under Robert and I. Well, last night we didn't see any of that we as saw far the as what yards. the scoreboard. Yeah, we saw that, but that's also a little bit much in my opinion too because this is an NC State team that has struggled running the ball the past couple of seasons, uh, especially with some of the running back talent that they've had. You talk about Bam Knight and some of those guys. Now, Jordan Houston – uh, I think he's an, an an average back. I think he's solid and serviceable. But the fact that Brendan Armstrong ran for 100 yards, uh, yeah, these were kind of Virginia-like numbers. But those passing stats, 155 yards, no touchdowns on the day, telling me once again that those NC State weapons on the outside might not be uh, where you want them to be. Uh, shouts to my man Kevin Concepcion from Chambers that led him in receiving last night with four catches for 36 yards. He's definitely been getting a little bit of gas coming into the season. But NC State's offense looked a lot like what it looked like last season as far as just giving you just enough to win some of these games. But they know it that just enough is not going to be enough when you play the better teams on your schedule. You got anything, Fitty, on when you thought NC State might be in trouble? Maybe just when it, it, it became apparent they were going to use Brennan Armstrong's arm and his and his feet to win the game. Yeah. You know, like when it got to the point where it's like, okay, well, we can't run the ball except with with him. And, and so when when it, when it got to that mode, but I never I never thought they were in danger of losing. I thought after the seven yard touchdown, I thought it was all right. Offense isn't explosive, but I actually came away feeling. Decent about Brennan Armstrong. We'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Last one. Why? Why will the real Carolina stand up at Bank of America Stadium tomorrow night? My answer is tight end play. I think both weapon units have question marks for both South Carolina and North Carolina. Juice Wells, legit. Okay. Like that guy's the real deal. And so they have that. But there's a lot of talk about Trey Knox, the tight end coming over from Arkansas alongside Dow Loggins. The guy's never had more than 28 receptions in a season. That was his freshman year. So that's the most that he put up, and that was four years ago. He's an older tight end. But if you put a lot of attention on Wells and you don't let Spencer zone in on their top target, then he might be going to a tight end. I wonder if he is going to be able to produce at a high level. And then you go to the North Carolina side. I mean, Bryson Nesmith's been getting some play this offseason. And he had 35 receptions last year. Guy that's going to be drafted, we'll see. He could, you know, vault himself up into a pretty decently high draft pick for a tight end. I just wonder with the Tez Walker. Also, we have no clue if he's going to play. Haven't gotten any word on him yet. Losing a Josh Downs. I think the tight ends with some ability. Like, how much are they going to use those guys? I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch for in this game. And. It's also going to be interesting to see, like I said, Carolina up front, what are they going to offer as far as Desmond Evans and the crew? Are they going to supplement those linebackers? We know how good power echoes, which it's a homecoming for him as well, and we'll see if he comes out has a dominant game. It's a homecoming for Cedric Gray uh, also, too, to be able to play in this football game. We know what those two are going to provide, but they need more help. Can the Carolina pass rush give them enough in this game? We talked about uh, – 
South Carolina and the offensive line and how in flux they were trying to figure that group out. Spencer Rattler, like you said, Juice Wells is the main target on that offense. They don't have an established running back as well, and I think Carolina takes advantage of that. I think they're going to be able to create more big explosive plays because, again, Carolina has a lot of uh, holes to fill, South Carolina, that is, on defense. So I think that Drake May and the crew will exploit that and I don't think South Carolina will have enough offensive firepower in this one uh, to be able to. But this game could – when these teams play, it's normally like more of a, a closer, lower-scoring game, and this game has the propensity to be a shootout because we know what Carolina's defense brings to the table. And then we also know South Carolina has a lot of new parts on the defense as well that wasn't phenomenal. So this game could be in the 30s, maybe even the 40s, and just showcasing these two quarterbacks at their best. Fiddy, any final thoughts on the why the real Carolina will stand up? Quarterback play. You got the second yeah. best quarterback in the country in Drake May on one side and Spencer Rattler, a guy that has the potential to be among the best quarterbacks in all of college football on the other side. We think it's going to be a close Tight competitive game entering the fourth quarter. Which quarterback makes the winning plays will will, will help which Carolina emerge victorious. All right, UNC. let's continue this college football edition. My bad, Fit. I didn't mean You're to good. cut you off. I was just trying to go to the campus corner so we could talk more. College football, it's all over the place, people. Let's go over what happened last night. Wake Forest, they also played. West was there. Let's get his thoughts. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Friday, that is. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And tomorrow, or Saturday, yes, tomorrow, you can check out the Michigan and East Carolina matchup right here. Jim Zoki on the call on WFNZ. So you Michigan fans, you ECU fans, or football fans alike, if you're in the car and need something to listen to, then check out that football game. So, uh, yeah, it is a college football weekend. NFL still a week away. You already know what time it is. Let's go to the campus. Come. The Wake Forest Demon Deacons opened up their season last night. I was in attendance with Fonda. We were at the game. I told her uh, what you guys said about her voice as well. Uh, she was very, very uh, happy about that comment. The voice is soothing. I think most people would agree when she hops on the mic, even if she is insulting Bryce Young, for some reason it doesn't feel as hurtful as the actual words are. And that's the kind of ability that your mother has. Yeah, she yeah. was very fond of the topic. She was very fond of it. All right. So anyway, the Demon Deacons, 
got out there and got the job done. Really looked good in the first half. Second half had a few slip-ups, but with the 37-17 win, Wake Forest now holds a 12-0-1 lead in the series with Elon. The Deeks have won 11, 11 of the 12 matchups with the Phoenix, and it was the debut of one Mitch Griffiths. He came out and did not disappoint, in my opinion. He had some hiccups as times as one would expect from a quarterback stepping into his first start as officially being the guy. He did start the season last year for Wake Forest, but we all knew Sam Hartman was coming back at some point. So last night it was his squad, his team, his Demon Deeks. He went 19 of 30, three touchdowns, 329 yards. And I said that after what I saw from him in the spring, I thought he had a live arm. He was very, very accurate. Uh, Dave Clawson, the head coach of Wake Forest, said that he had the best spring of any quarterback in Wake Forest history as far as completion percentage overall. Through spring camp, Jamal Banks, 108 yards and a touchdown. Cameron Height had 91 yards and a touchdown. And Wesley Grimes, who I also talked about during this offseason, he had 76 yards and a score as well. The Demon Deacons held Elon to 17 points. They had three sacks on the night, nine tackles for a loss. So what were your uh, takeaways from the Demon Deeks? That I'm pleased with what we saw from Mitch Griffiths, which all eyeballs were going to be on post-Sam Hartman. I thought, and plus downfield plays. That's what I really liked. How about the longest touchdown Wake scored since 2021 with that 69-yard hookup for a score, 37-17. You get a lot of points on Elon, so I really like what you got from Griffiths despite the interception. There was the one red zone a target where I, I think it was the height if I'm not mistaken he drops the end zone target but man the ball needs to come down just a little bit either way thought this was a good tune-up game before you get ready for the regular season like no disrespect to Elon they actually played a little better certainly in the second half than I expected they were down 24 to nothing going into the locker room and so the fact that you made this a little bit of a game in the third quarter kudos to them but I got really for the most part Wes everything I wanted to see from Mitch Griffiths make a place downfield the accuracy was there it's if there's a third and long scenario I feel totally comfortable that that's a quarterback that can pick that up I this is believing in Warren Ruggiero believing in the system that replaces talented QB uh, with another talented QB. We saw that in the season opener. 1-0 Wake Forest goes. Yeah, the only thing that worried me as well is just being at the game, the eye test, the size of Wake Forest up front. That worries me just a little bit. You give up four sacks to Elon, eight tackles for loss. That spells a bad week of practice back in West Bryan's days. So uh, I, I I wasn't too there thrilled be four about sacks that. in West Bryan's days, right? <laughs> no, but uh, you just don't want to see that from a Wake Forest offensive line against a school like an Elon. Um, I'm not going to preface it with the no disrespect. All is intended. As far oh, okay. as you should yeah. not be giving up four sacks to Elon, and so I didn't like that. Mitch took a little bit too much of a beating in my estimation. Then you look across the landscape in college football. Utah last night beats Florida without Cam rising. Boy, that seat is getting hot for Billy Napier down there in Gainesville. Graham Mertz told you didn't trust him, but he had 333 yards passing, a touchdown and a pick, but it was not enough. And without their fearless leader, Utah handles business. What did you think about that? 
And is the clock really starting to tick on Billy Napier? I mean, it was even before this game kicked off. There was the article, I think it was on ESPN, about how this was going to be a monster year for Billy Napier. We all knew it. Here you have Anthony Richardson, who was a good enough quarterback prospect to be the number four QB selected four player selected in this past NFL draft. And they massively underwhelmed last year even with that talent. So even in the NFL, coaches think, all right, well, we'll just take this freak of nature and then we'll figure it out at the QB spot. Man, you got to be able to figure that out a little more so at the collegiate level. Now you enter with Graham Mertz this year. What's the, you know, Wisconsin QB at Florida and like what is supposed to be what you think of a high-powered offense. It just seems like an oxymoron for a Wisconsin QB to transfer to Florida. And he had 300 yards, but only the one touchdown. They only scored in the fourth quarter when the game was already said and done. 24-11, Utah ends up going on and winning. Yeah, it's it's real pressurized over Florida there Florida. Gators ran for 13 yards as a yeah. team. The big bad SEC, the Florida Gators, 21 carries, 13 yards, 0.6 yards that offensive line per is carry. Bad. And then Matt Rule. Took an L last night. I came in just in time to see the game-winning field goal go through the uprights as they took the L to Minnesota 13-10. to And we've got some sound folks from the fake Matt Rule talking about the loss to Minnesota. You know, I look at this game, you know, and I think about every game I've ever coached at the University of Nebraska now, a team has won a football game. You know, whether it's you know, tonight against Minnesota, you go back to our spring game, someone has won a football game that I've coached at at the University of Nebraska. And, and you look at us, you know, giving up 13 points today, that, that is one of the best defenses in the entire country when you look at it right now. And, and if we continue to do that every single game, then you know what? We're going to be one of the best defenses of all time. That's what we're capable of being. And I, and I know offensively we're going to go back. We're going to go check the tape. We're going to see what things we did well, see if you did well, things we're going to improve upon. But, you know, look at the end of the day, you know, that, that <laughs> trick play that we ran, that that's elite-level trick play. And, and for us, if we do that – every single game, every single drive, every single play, when we have trick plays that turns into touchdowns, we're going to be the one of the best trick play teams of all time. That was Dennis Cox of 99.9 The Fan. That was pretty hilarious. Jeff Sims, the transfer, ACC transfer, that is coming from Georgia Tech at the University of Nebraska. 114 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions with 91 yards rushing. I know he needed to get somebody in their quarterback, but I never thought that Jeff Sims was the answer. So is this the start of a long season for Matt Rule? I mean, 13 points is not very good in the season opener. Oh, even and it, by the way, the points were scored on a trick play that went all sorts of awry, except that they were able to pick it up because it so fumble right behind the line of scrimmage, legal forward pass, man, all open, all alone in the end zone. But that's not how they drew it up. So even if you take that away, you're only talking about a field goal that they were able to score. That catch, whoo, that that uh, that score that they had before they kicked the field goal to win it, that was a crazy route. And I didn't think that he was in. I thought the guy missed him, threw it out of bounds a little too much. But that fact that you have a one-toe drag. And look, we don't need a hero. You don't need to get two feet down. Just get that one down, and that's exactly what he did. That route was crazy. The catch, the ability to drag the turf, the pellets 
flying up from the end zone. <laughs> what a phenomenal play. And then the field goal, man. I mean, I think we've all watched enough college football to realize you do not trust a college kicker kicking from 36, let alone 46 yards out. But he nailed it, and I think he made a lot of Charlotte area people very happy to see Matt Rule go 0-1. No doubt about it. This could be the start of a bad season in Nebraska for one Matt Rule. But when we come back, Anthony Pagnata, a.k.a. Big Flizzle, Please. joins us to talk Tar Heel football on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.